So there's a lot more tournaments now than ever before. Um, we've gone from trying to find one a month to having one every week somewhere. episode of the future of pickleball we have a fun guest today guy that's done amazing things in the sport of pickleball mike hoxie welcome to the future of pickleball thank you paul great to be here uh, i want to start off um i met mike he did a, a whole series of very impressive events in um in the aau world two years ago for the road to the junior olympics that's where i encountered mike but i want you to give us a little bit of an idea PIG, or Pickleball is Great, is your company. Why don't you give us a little background as to what you've been doing? Sure, so Pickleball is Great started just over six years ago, and we started in the Northwest. Uh, we started based on Melissa McCurley's recommendation. She needed more uh, skilled tournament directors to help use pickleballtournaments.com. So I was part of my original club, Columbia River Pickleball Club. I'd done a couple of their tournaments. I've done the State Games of Oregon with a lot of positive feedback. So I created my company, Pickleball is Great. That's where all the pigs come from. And uh, we did a, six tournaments our first year, 12 tournaments the next year, and then year three, I ran out of vacation time at working for Kroger. So I had to either decide to go all in or to just pull back. So obviously I went all in. I left my cushy com comfort world of uh, corporate America and then became a self-employed person following year was great because I hired Kathy Rambosik and Gigi Guerra. We expanded to 49 tournaments, and then, of course, 2020 rolled through. We did 10 tournaments in the first 10 weeks and 10 tournaments the next 10 months. Yeah. So it was a, a lot of rescheduling. Uh, we didn't lay anyone off. We just kind of worked through everything. And uh, in 2021, bounced back with 65 tournaments. And this year, we're on pace to do more than 80. So it's been an amazing year. And strong focus on the players that really helped spread the word of uh, come have fun. Cool. Now on that order, and one of the things that I was looking forward to in having you on this podcast is the fact that tournaments are such a epic part of the experience of pickleball for many people, not everyone, but many. Do you see anything evolving, changing, um, anything different in the future that the viewers might be interested to know about? Well, so there's a lot more tournaments now than ever before. Um, we've gone from trying to find one a month to having one every week somewhere close to home. So the challenge for the players are trying to find the right tournament. And I always encourage the players to read all the details online. Uh, I unfortunately run into people who miss the format, which is probably one of the most important pieces. Now expand on that just a little bit. What might those variables be? So a format really determines how your day is going to go here at Indian Wells. It's double elimination unless there's five or less players, then it's round robin. Round robins are great because you get to play everybody, um, and it's, it's what I enjoy the most. So as a player, I enjoyed the round robins. I was uh, unsatisfied with the results being decided on a piece of paper, so we added in a layer of the playoffs that followed. So it created more like a pool situation, pool play with a playoff that followed. So. Uh, it's been very handy for us, as we know the ratings have been a little bit tumultuous and kind of difficult to navigate. Uh, so by doing this pool play, we can take the top four players or top two from each pool into the playoffs, and it really helps level set. And if someone does go through and win everything, 
I give him a nice little speech saying, please move up to the next level. It's your choice as a player. You can always play up in skill or down in age. That's the traditional rules. Some tournament directors choose not to do that, so that's why I go back to saying, please read the details of your tournament. Um, it should be easier on pickleball.com going forward to find that information, uh, but it's one of those sort of things for the player. Uh, I, I prefer the pool play and playoffs. Gives you more play. The schedule's more condensed, so you play in a lot tighter schedule. You don't have to be on site for seven to 10 hours. And the nice thing is that at the end, the results are decided on the court. So you really know who the gold is, who the silver is, who the bronze yeah. is. Uh, we haven't figured out a fourth place medal yet. We keep joking with different things. But uh, in the meantime, it's it's probably my favorite tournament. Cool. So now if somebody watching this likes what they hear or they say, gee, I, that that I've not played in a in a round robin format, but it sounds interesting. What do they look for? How do they identify when it's one of your events that runs that format? So we, we always talk about a round robin with a playoff. Uh, some of the more technical terms is a pool play with playoffs. Uh, the words double elimination or single elimination uh, is the opposite, essentially. It's more of a championship-style format. It's uh, once you lose twice, you're done for the day in a double elimination. In a single elimination, once you lose the first time, best you can do is bronze. So that's not very traditional for pickleball, uh, but it's becoming more common with some tournaments because it's an easier way to take more registrations and you can get more players on the courts and can make more money theoretically. Okay. So now in with all, all of these enormous number of tournaments that you've done, facilities, what do, you, what do you see, uh, our sports, but growing exponentially? We've got players waiting on courts in the rec play and stuff like that. Does that affect your ability to find facilities to run your events on? Uh, the facility piece is really difficult to navigate. Uh, there are just a handful of places that have enough dedicated courts. We will often use a blended approach, some permanent, some portable nets, uh, but it really depends on the facilities. And, I often look at uh, restrooms as another priority, a side sure. number of courts, and parking. Those can be two big hurdles that someplace may have a beautiful courts and you have nowhere to park. Yeah. Um, or, or a restroom that's maybe 200 yards away. So those are some other challenges. Uh, but finding facilities that have enough courts for an event as compared to day-to-day -day play uh, is an ongoing challenge in every state. It's not great okay. in every state. So now with, with people that are watching this, and we've got so many people coming into the sport, if somebody who's got a new club or a new uh, a, a pickleball organization decides they want to host an event, how would you recommend that they think about getting it going? When you're deciding to host an event, you really have to decide how much responsibility do you want to do. So our company, Pickleball is Great, was created and designed so that we could take care of the player side of the business so that a facility or club could take care of hostings. Much like a restaurant, they would provide the tables, the chairs, the food, restrooms, and I would make sure the right players get to the right table. If you're trying to do it all yourself, there are a few online documents, usually between nine to 14 pages, um, to try to make sure that you check all the boxes and go through the options. We talked about AAU, there's also USA Pickleball. Um, and so each organization, the National Senior Games, they have their own set of rules and requirements to follow their certifications. 
Uh, I'm spending a lot of time with the U.S. senior pickleball mm -hmm. uh, because they're focused on the seniors and ensuring that they have five-year gaps so that you're playing with someone your own age. Now, the converse is that is that you may play someone that's a higher skill, but at least you're playing someone with the similar hand-eye coordination. And that's probably the loudest feedback I'm getting from seniors is they want to play people their own age. Sure. And as an organizer, uh, it's really the tournament director that determines is that likely or not likely to happen. So um, thinking about it from the player perspective, when you're hosting something or creating an event, uh, it's nice to have a theme, but you really need to have that player focus to make sure it's the right thing. Cool. Um, given the fact that I had met you through your efforts in the, uh, in the AAU Junior Road to the Olympics, you probably have seen more junior play than virtually anybody in the game. We're struggling with that. Any thoughts or ideas what you think needs to be done to get youth vi as vibrant as the adults in the game? One of the great things was this week I got to see Leo Chun again, who was part of our 8 to 10-year-old group, which was probably one of our strongest age brackets in the AAU because they hadn't fully committed to basketball or baseball or one of the more traditional sports. Uh, but now a lot of the parents are starting to see the opportunities that are there. The challenge is we need more people around the country to help that grassroots effort of getting the into the schools. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of groups working to get it into college as an intercollegiate sport, but that's only going to fill in if we can work on high schools and down to grade schools. Uh, in the Northwest, it was part of the PE curriculum when they were indoors, and so there's a lot in the Northwest where it started young, but the gap from 10 years old to 19 years old, that's where we all have to work together and really just having a group that meets every Tuesday or Sunday afternoon at a courts can really make a difference. It was great in Utah because we would see a lot of juniors just come out and that was the way they had a great time. They sure. have enough facilities that were started in Utah now that that's just part of the routine. And it's been kind of amazing to see how these players are starting to come along and APP with their next gen has been a nice you know, marriage of trying to mentor some of these yeah. better players. Yeah, I know on the, uh, on the, uh, at the board level at the AAU, we're revisiting kind of how to set up the structure. Um, and really, I think the, I think the future we're hoping, and I'm asking you this, I guess, as a question is we think that the, that the team game, like other youth sports, baseball, uh, maybe a better example than baseball would be swimming or wrestling where right. a kid's an individual, but they train and they practice with other kids on a team format and then their competitions go as a team. Does that make sense to you? It, it does. And what's great is uh, in North Carolina, Bob Neisberger has done an excellent job with his North Carolina pickleball where they made regions and they have captains and they have like a summer jamboree series where they'll go from each count, each of the different regions to really encourage the kids to travel together, have a great time together. Yeah. Um, and they've seen a lot of great success coming out of North Carolina. It takes a little bit of effort, but it, it's really starting to come together and it's been great to see it grow. Very cool. Um, as, we, as we move along through this conversation, you know, I, I really try and spend time on the future. We know the sport's exploding. Everybody sees it everywhere. We've got major celebrities, major pro athletes buying in on the pro side. Is there anything that you either see or would like to see come in the future in pickleball? Any thoughts that way? 
Uh, it's very, the future is very murky. There's been so much transition this year and so many changes. Uh, I personally am working on trying to keep the tradition of the sport while we continue to evolve and move forward. Uh, one of the things that is a common topic is rally scoring. Uh, I am not a huge fan of rally scoring, but for TV, TV and media, it might be the right mix to do. I understand that piece, but for the 98% of the play, I think the traditional scoring has been very successful for more than 50 years. Um, but as we evolve, I think we're going to see a, a lot of players uh, trying to figure out what, where's that fun? You know, how do, how do I have lots of fun with this? And it's been nice to see even the non-athlete, someone who was never part of a team growing up, now starting to find, I can have a lot of fun with this and sure. we can travel together. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very murky future uh, because there's so many interchanging pieces. So the best thing you can do is just tell everyone to be agile and flexible uh, because I expect 2023 to be just as crazy of year of changes yeah. as we've seen this year. Yeah, I, uh, as we sit here at U.S. Nationals in 2022, uh, Wednesday of this week was a major announcement about the MLP and Vibe merging, which is everybody's very excited. Uh, I have another guest that you guys will see in another episode who's very involved at that level said that there's another monster moment getting ready to drop in the next day or two. So it is such a wild time to see how these things are, are opening up and exploding. It it really is, and, and that's where I mentioned pickleball.com. Uh, I really want to encourage everyone to start there. It's the transition of merging pickleball tournaments and pickleball brackets together to have the best experience registering for a tournament, finding information. Uh, pickleball.com is mobile-friendly, which has been a, a big challenge in the past, um, and I think that'll help people kind of see where do they want to go to play, whether it's local or going a destination trip, that sort of thing. Now, where you describe your company, PIG, is going to do over 80 tournaments, are you still looking for other contracts? Are you interested in helping other tournaments uh, run their events better? Yeah, we have been in a hiring mode for the last six months. I'm looking to hire 10 tournament directors, trying to space everyone out regionally so that there's less travel. I've had to ping pong back and forth a few times uh, this year, so I'm trying to help find some regional people that we can train to have that same player focus and run tournaments. Uh, and really, we're trying to stay within the US this year, but in 2024, hopefully going to Europe. Oh, wow. Canada, Mexico, but 2023 is about just ensuring that we have all the right people in all the right places. It'll be a big training year. So now that's exciting, thinking about going outside the 48. I didn't realize that that was something. Guide us a little bit. What do you see happening that might make that possible? Well, we, we all wanted to be part of the Olympics. And I was part of the IFP uh, that had up to 79 Explain managers. the IFP. So the International Federation of Pickleball was one of the largest organizations. Uh, it had a giant shift in evolution this year. Uh, so while they still have the most amount of countries, uh, we are not able to get in the Olympics until we have one unifying organization. We don't have that yet. So there's a group that's been working all year, meeting every week of the nine largest countries that have pickleball. They're working on announcing, having a brand, um, and they are working for the Olympics. I'm sorry to say we missed LA. We will, we will not be recognized in LA. We'll be around, I'm sure. Um, but really the focus is how do we get ready for Australia? How do we present the right case and have the, enough countries that have competitive pickleball? 
which means you have to have a membership and you have to have, you know, a documented tournament. Uh, so the IFP is a part of that piece. How it all shifts and evolves in the next year, I wish I knew. All I know is for my business, I'm trying to be ready in 2024 and really try to leverage having a presence to help support getting pickleball into the Olympics. Very exciting stuff. That is so cool to hear. As we start to get to, uh, uh, to the wrap-up portion of this, I would like you, how does somebody reach out to you? How does somebody find out if they, uh, to, to get to you, to hear what you guys could do for them? As, as you know, I'm not very shy. I'm a pretty <laughs> approachable guy. I wear these kind of shirts at a tournament so that anyone can walk up to me at any time. Uh, but we're online on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram at PickleballIsGR8, because I'm a kid from the 80s. But PickleballIsGR8 is our a digital hashtag. Very nice. Pickleball is great's website, Mike at pickleballisgreat.com. Uh, I like to follow good guys like Rob Barnes that knows how to set the right email tone. So uh, very good. I enjoy. Very I've good. always enjoyed working with you and Selkirk. Super, super. Well, we've had another great episode. It is fun as we pursue this future of pickleball to meet these people that are making a difference, that are driving the sport, that are making the things that we all are enjoying happen. I want to say thank you so much to Mike Hoxie. I've You're sure very appreciated welcome. it. Thank you.